Welcome to season four of The Mend, and this is our first episode of season four, which is very exciting. For our listeners, this is a podcast to learn about services and support for victims and survivors of crime, sponsored through the Center of Crime Victim Services here in the state of Vermont. I am your host, Anna Nassett, and today on the show, we are so lucky to have Ann Ward, Executive Director of Mosaic, an organization located in central Vermont, helping people recover from sexual harm since 1984. This show was created to take a deeper look at services, organizations, and concepts for victims and survivors of crime. We wanted to acknowledge the healing process and provide resources, not only in our state of Vermont, but throughout the country that could benefit victims of crime as they begin to mend. And today we are gonna be looking at community response. This is a show where we can all learn, myself included. We might not always agree with everything we hear, but this is how we learn and I invite you to learn with me. I also wanna begin with a content warning. Our goal is to create a safe place to discuss topics, but with that in mind, we may occasionally hear a story related to crime, discuss our mental health, or have other sensitive matter. I urge you to care for yourself and listen at your own discretion. As I said, today we have Ann Ward, the Executive Director of Mosaic Vermont. Mosaic's big dreaming, paper pushing, dollar crunching, grant writing, big asking administrator. She is committed to a lifestyle of least harm and good and believes in community where all people are safe and valued. Anne has worked with people who have experienced sexual harm for more than a decade, focusing on sexual abuse prevention and healthy relationship. With a master's of education and humane education, Anne seeks to be a person who is able to identify inhumane, unjust, and unsustainable systems, listen for strengths in a community, and help generate change. After work, you can find Anne active in the foster adoptive community in central Vermont, both with children and animals. Anne, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Yes. So Anne, um, I always like to just kind of thank people for the amazing work that they're doing, and you just do such a tremendous amount of good and change making here in our state. So thank you so much for what you do for people. And I would love to hear a little bit about what led you to this work with just whatever you're comfortable with sharing. Sure. You know, in Vermont, we say you can't get there from here. <laughs> I feel like that's sort of true about how I came into this work. It really took a, a roundabout way. I've always been somebody who feels a lot of responsibility for helping to generate the change that I want to see in the world and wanting to empower other people to generate their own change work. Um, social justice called to me in a variety of different ways. And um, I've been at Mosaic for almost six years. Like most people who experience um, sexual and domestic violence, I, I never processed my own experiences through law enforcement. And um, in the process of being a foster adoptive parent, I've been fostering children and youth um, for almost 12 years now. I, I learned a lot about what happens um, when law enforcement gets involved in child sexual abuse and the 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 additional harm that children and youth and families and communities experience just from from the law enforcement, the the justice system, as it were. Um, and really was 
experiencing my own vicarious trauma from the lack of resources and attention to to issues there. Um, that was something I really believe needed to change. Um, youth children don't have a choice once law enforcement's involved in in whether or not they can be involved, and they're put in a lot of really really tough situations. Um, so. I believe in choice and and I believe if you don't have a choice, then we should be throwing every possible resource in your direction to make things as um, safe and comfortable as possible. At the same time, you know, I'm somebody who believes pretty strongly in prevention. And um, this field in general is so wildly underfunded, but there's mm -hmm. almost no funding for prevention work. And that's something that, you know, I came in really wanting to to change. Amazing. Um, thank you so much for not only serving your community, but also opening your home to children. Um, I mean, this is 24 hours a day for you, what you are doing. And it's <laughs> really, really beautiful. And thank you um, for sharing how you came into this. Uh, and I do want to talk about prevention a little bit later on, because it's something that I'm very passionate about as well. But I would love to just have you share about Mosaic. What is Mosaic? what services are offered, and just kind of give our listeners a little bit of an education. Like many organizations of our type, Mosaic started out as, you know, a volunteer, like a community care organization where people came together and, and responded to individuals experiencing harm. And over the past, oh, this is our 40 years, 40 years. Woo! -woo. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, <laughs> We've really changed shape quite a bit um, and expanded our ideas of, you know, what what justice could look like um, in our community. And so for Mosaic, we don't we, we sort of have people are always asking, what are your services? And we, we don't really have a menu of services for people who've experienced harm. There are things that we do a lot. Right. We can. Um, go to sexual assault nurse examinations with folks. We can assist them in law enforcement. Um, you know, with forensic interviews, um, we do provide immediate financial support. We have a 24-hour helpline. Um, we connect people with community resources. But what Mosaic really wants to do is have help folks identify what their needs are. And sometimes we think of needs as only relating to the topic at hand, right? What do I need about the sexual assault after the sexual assault? And that's not really um, that's not really what we're thinking about. What is it that you need in your life right now? And that might have, it might appear to have nothing to do with what happened um, in your life. But all of the steps that we can take towards, you know, community care and holding each other and improving our situations can create an environment for healing. And so I have this incredible team of advocates and um, you know, new folks come in and they always want to make sure that they're doing it right or they're saying the right thing. And what's important for Mosaic advocates is that everybody everybody reacts and um, interacts differently with people that they're helping to support. And that's okay. There's no right thing to say. There's They're showing up as yourself and caring about somebody else in the community and wanting to extend um, hope and grace and um, options. And that's really what Mosaic is about. I love it. It's really, you know, one of the things that I say a lot in my trainings is that we are all individuals, right? And so what we need is so individual 
And what I really like about what you were just saying is that it seems like Mosaic and the people that are there serving community are really all about getting to know that individual outside of the harm that's happened to them as well to understand what needs they have and how to best support and how you as you know someone serving them can show up in your individual skills as well. And I really firmly believe that that is such a big part of taking back power, getting just a little bit of sense of self back, um, having voice is to be seen more than what has happened to the person. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that kind of, I mean, that kind of answered my next question of what <laughs> is the process like to go into Mosaic? Um, but it's like, I don't know if you want to talk more about that, um, of what it's like when someone first comes in, but it seems like it comes from that very individual place. It really does. And it also depends on how they're connected to us, who introduced them, right? How do they, how do they know about us? So it might be coming through law enforcement. And um, so, you know, we'd have our <laughs> conversation um, about, you know, next steps that are really relating to that system. Um, a lot of people call our helpline and, uh, you know, it, it's tough because sometimes when you're really in crisis, you need somebody to tell you what to do. There are people who want to be told, here's what you do next. And, and for us to, to try and sort out if that's one of the things that you're asking for can be a tough one, right? Because we're waiting to hear, um, we're, we're listening for the needs yep. and that's going to show up differently um, for each person. One thing that's really important to know is that we're not therapeutic, right? We're not clinicians and we're not providing therapy and yet we are there to listen and to hear and to do some reflecting back and to connect you to potential therapists if, uh, you know, if that's what you're, um, what you would benefit from or want to try out. Um, but it's really just about making that connection and, and, and then going through this discovery, what's next for you. Absolutely. And I know it's so hard in this work not to go into that therapy side because it yeah. is that listening and reflecting back and you know victims and survivors are coming in you know with all this harm and you are the savior and that they're looking for in a lot of ways and it's hard to to suss that out and have those boundaries within um that's true and i think it's it's also really important that the people know that they don't have to tell their story um we, we don't need, you know, we don't need the details. We're happy to listen to them um, if, if that's going to serve you, but we don't need your name. We'll ask. You can give us a fake name. Um, we, we don't need to have an in-depth understanding. We know that if you're calling and asking for help, that um, your experience um, has impacted you. And while, yeah, your experience is important, you don't have to identify as a victim or a survivor or even somebody who can put a label to whatever it was that happened. We understand that harm shows up in a variety of ways. Um, and we just want to understand what your needs are. Because mm -hmm. there is a need if we're calling in. <laughs> so yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. Yeah. Um, being that it's Mosaic's 40th anniversary this year, which is such an amazing thing. Like that's, that says a lot right there. Um, <laughs> how has Mosaic changed in the last 40 years? How has it opened up and expanded to maybe all people? Um, 
I know you said like your services aren't necessarily a listed out, but how how has Mosaic changed and grown and expanded? And also, how have you seen that take place in the state of Vermont to help people who have been harmed? Sure. Well, I, I think you can probably guess that I, you know, I wasn't here um, paying too much attention. I, I was around. I wasn't paying too much attention <laughs> 40 years ago. Um, but I think the movement has really changed uh significantly in that time um, and even in Vermont. Um, Mosaic was formerly known as the Sexual Assault Crisis Team of Washington County. Um, oh my gosh, when I started, when I called somebody, their caller ID would say sexual assault. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, I don't Great know if you want to answer that call. <laughs> Great job on rebranding. Just going to say <laughs> you all have done a fabulous job with redoing that and um, recentering that it's been really cool it's been super cool to watch oh I appreciate that um you know and we've always been an organization sexual assault crisis team just has such a strong history of understanding um that sexual violence impacts people um of all types of all genders um and we were, we were said to be the first organization in the world that was sheltering people of all genders who'd experienced sexual violence. Um, and so there's a pretty rich history of, you know, care for the LGBTQ plus two-spirit community um, in central Vermont. And uh, I just have so much respect for the folks who were doing that work in a time when it's not like it is now, right? That's a pretty easy flag to fly right now and and we certainly do and we we fly it high um but but stepping into that kind of community conversation at the time um is a really big deal and standing standing strong and saying we're gonna we're gonna do this work you know we started sheltering a little over 20 years ago at the time it was people would come for a day or two maybe a week maybe two weeks and you know so they would pause for a moment assess their situation and then move on and what's really changed is um, the shape of our community around us and uh you know people are now could be in shelter for years without being able to find an appropriate place to stay and you know it's almost transitional housing at mm-hmm. that point um, the complexity of needs has changed. You know, we've seen the um, opioid epidemic has hit Vermont especially hard, and um, it's it's created you know this this complexity of challenges that there really is no specific resource in um, that can care for all of those things. And one of the things that I observed in in early my early years at Mosaic was that when somebody was connected to us, really the rest of the service community felt like, okay, Mosaic has them, they're going to be fine. And I, I'm deeply concerned about that kind of um, belief because yep. we, you know, we are a partner in this community and we're, we're a part of the big picture, but we, what we can't and don't promise to do is house everybody and um, provide, you know, wraparound mental health and substance use supports for everybody. And um, really the crisis is just so strong for those things in our community that um, at times uh, we're really feeling like we can't meet people's needs. And that's, I think that's a pretty new experience. Um, Previously there were solutions to challenges and now everybody is struggling and everybody's struggling in a really, really big way and it's touching all parts of their lives. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, as 
we say the word community a lot, right? Yeah. And um, so the individual coming to you needs community response, yes. not just mosaic response. And that's yes. a lot to, yeah, like you said, like there's, everyone is so limited right now and everything's so strapped, but that community has to come in and surround that person to be able to get them the best things that they need so that it's they true. can eventually, you know, find different housing or seek employment, any of those things, work with mental health, all of those. So I hope that community continues to surround this community organization. Um, well, and the community is responding in, in, in different ways than they did 40 years ago too. You know, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a big emphasis on rebuilding what it means to have community care, um, embodied healing, somatic therapies, you know, recognizing the epigenetics of trauma and um, building building space for trauma into our lives at work, um, at home, and in our relationships is, is becoming more of a language in our community than it used to be. And that's a really important shift, um, so a very positive thing that's happening. Yes, that's great. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, it's really incredible that you were the first organization in the world to house all genders that's amazing like that's really something to um for anybody listening to take note of and just I want to celebrate that with you all and know that you're really at the forefront I mean it's a we live in a very rural state and small towns and yet the leadership that Mosaic has done on a global global level is really profound so congratulations and thank you no, oh, I can't take any credit for that. That's all that's all the, you know, my predecessors and and the elders in the movement. Congratulations to the organization. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say that. Um I'm going to switch around a little bit cuz I think that as we're talking about community, this is a good time to talk a little bit about what happened this summer in Vermont. Um for those listeners who aren't from Vermont, uh we had historic flooding in certain areas of Vermont and Mosaic was flooded very badly and it was a really like the the housing that you have was flooded and if you could if you feel comfortable talking about this because I know it was a really brutal time um, I think it's important to share with our listeners so that they understand you know that all of a sudden these services and the safe place was not there for a time <laughs> and needed community and there's so many different levels of that of keeping people safe asking for help not you know just everything that you had to navigate um i would love to hear a little bit about that sure this is a tough one for me i can't you know i can't talk about this summer's flood without talking about myself and and you know I, this is already work that that wraps into my life um but that became ever more so um yesterday was our six month anniversary or traumaversary as as we could say I, I do want to I do want to address um, that we never stopped. We never the phone kept being answered. The program staff just were phenomenal and and really well dealing with their own losses and and helping their community in a variety of ways. Continue to support survivors. Um, so Mosaic's facility was impacted, but our heart and soul were not. And we continued to show up. Um, there there you know there was a period of um, probably eight hours when 
if there had been a sexual assault nurse exam at the hospital, that none of us would have been able to access the hospital. One of the things we lost um, as a community was, you know, half of us on the other side of the river couldn't couldn't access um, emergency medical care um, that night, which was frightening. But we had no calls, um, so you know, I can say we we were 100% still available to folks. Um, and for me, I you know I evacuated my home that day um, that we anticipated some flooding. I expected to lose my home um, and loaded up my kids. And I had a foster youth at the time. And my, you know, as a foster parent, I have evacuation information on the wall. And the plan had always been to meet up in the event of an emergency at Mosaic. And so I think I just, it never occurred to me that Mosaic could also experience that. Um, I, I don't know that we've ever flooded in that location in the past. Um, I don't have, you know, that kind of history of this building. Um, and so we spent the day as an organization preparing for our community to experience losses and, and harm and need support. And um, we were looking out the wrong windows. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I was walking up the stairs and, and the driveway was um, partially underwater. And we evacuated we had you know our building is um was both uh housing people and the offices and so staff went home um and i stayed and evacuated and found safety for the the folks ex uh, you know using our services which is really tough because again we we serve people of all genders and um actively and people of all genders even in vermont you know are not always safe in all in all situations and so I had some pretty big concerns about the congregate care, you know, the 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 shelter that was opening up and um, what safety would look like there. And so we evacuated pretty, pretty carefully and strategically as far as where people were going and where they could land. Um, and we went underwater and, and I stayed behind um, in part for the safety of my own children uh, and and we were hit really, really hard. And six months later, I, th I think it was like trauma skip over, you know, a lot of things that happened in the meantime. Um, but six months later, Mosaic's offices are in a new place. Um, and it is so bright. There's so much light. And um, we're trying to fill it with plants. It's tough to do in the middle of winter in Vermont. Um, oh, I got you. You need plants. I'll bring you plants. <laughs> we need plants, everyone. We need live house plants. We just want to <laughs> stuff this building full of life and, and hope and, you know, this good green. Um, we really need that. And uh, one of the reasons we left was not because of not because of damage to the office space. But, you know, my office used to be what could have been a bedroom. And the city of Barrie, where we're located, lost more than 10% of its housing. And we lost, we lost these just incredible units that have done such, such, you know, we had a fully accessible unit for people who had experienced such severe sexual violence that they needed live-in caretakers while healing medically. And we lost that. It was a total loss. And we needed to shift where our housing was in that building. And the thing that could change is that Mosaic's staff could could exit and do work from another space. We learned a lot about working remotely and working creatively during COVID. Um, and so now we're in this tough place. I, you know, I really haven't talked about it with our community yet. I don't this heads up, everybody. We're we're not going to have this building um, in the long term. And, and that has to do with with federal and then state and then local um codes and standards. And so Mosaic is facing 
losing, you know, our biggest asset and um, our biggest program opportunity, um, wow. you know, within the next, I think uh, yesterday, you know, marked now we have two years left um, to do things that are not possible to do uh, with, you know, a building that old, um, get it above flood level, you know, yeah. create flood corridors, just um, it's not possible even with all of the money in the world, we could not, you know, we'd have to tear it down and rebuild it um, really differently and, and, and lose accessibility and some of the things that are important to us. So, you know, I'm just so grateful. I have such a strong group of people that I'm working with. Um, I've had to dedicate, you know, daily attention to the impacts of the flood. I think that's important for, for everyone to know is that when things like this hit our community, it, it's, things go back to normal pretty quickly but the administrative work continues and the decision-making and the, the negotiations and the understanding and the learning the language continues. Um, but the team has continued. They're doing their prevention work. They're in schools. Um, you know, they're responding to people who need help. And that, I don't feel like we even blinked. Um, and that just speaks so strongly to, um, you know, the advocates that we have and the, and the folks doing the work and how much they care about their communities and want to see us um, want to see our work continue even in the most rough circumstances that we never we never saw coming. Wow, absolutely, just tremendous how you've gone through this. Um, I'm so sorry that you went through this, and just how you all have responded. It was really. Um, really inspiring and just so sad to watch like it was both those emotions I think so often about how we can hold two very complex emotions about the same thing and yeah. I remember sitting with you at lunch not that long after it was a month after something like that and just seeing your your wonderful staff and the the joy and positivity you all had while also being so exhausted and I'm hoping for rest for all of you Thank as you. this continues. And yes, I have plants for you. So <laughs> I'm looking out because uh, I'm in my living room where I record. I'm like, oh, I've got plants. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so one of the things you said was that you were continuing to do the work in schools and prevention. And I would love if you could briefly touch on um prevention and how important it is and how, I mean, I think that's one of the things that I've really seen shift in this movement over the last, you know, if we look at Mosaic with 40 years, like that we're really starting to focus on that. And so I'd love if you could just briefly touch on your passion behind that and what you all are doing. Well, I came from a prevention background and that's one of the reasons that um, I was excited about this, this opportunity at Mosaic because Mosaic was doing prevention and Whew, there are there are almost no resources prevention, right? This this work is so underfunded in the first place just to do the response work. And then, you know, um, there's this need for um, for us putting ourselves out of business. Wouldn't that be great if we could, yes. <laughs> if we could just not be needed um, really is the goal, right? And I, I don't know if that, that will ever happen in that way. I think our work is going to continue to shift in, in really positive community serving ways in the future. Um, but for me, prevention is is a lifestyle. 
I think everybody has a part to play in it. It's 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 a language. It's the way you interact with other people, and then it's also programming, right, and educating about about how to do that. You can't do response work without doing prevention. So everybody doing response work is doing prevention work. Um, integrating it is is you know a really a creative process. Um, I think we're you know we're doing a lot of we're doing a lot of youth led work, which feels really wonderful. Um, that's one of the things that's changed in the last 40 years is the way youth are showing up, the way they're using their voices and their interest in engaging in community change. Um, and so much of our work is is youth led. And for example, we have, um, you know, we have uh, years ago, we had a high school student who did a project with our, you know, with our support um, to develop a consent training for seventh grade. And so we have a school that every year a high schooler goes into the seventh grade and, and trains the entire seventh grade on consent. And that just, it's amazing. Holds it through all of these years. And, um, you know, so bringing, asking youth what it is that they need to change um, and what they want to do to change has just been so incredible. Um, and we're always looking for new opportunities and, and funding to be able to do that kind of creative work in more schools. Um, you know, we have a lot of requests, um, but not a lot of opportunities um, to, to actually, you know, do the work. I think another thing that is also missed in this conversation about prevention is, um, you know, the way I was, the way I grew up with prevention is it's always about keeping yourself safe or keeping your kids or your community safe from this known but unknown factor, right? The um, the identifiable harm doer. And sexual violence is a lot more complicated than that. And we're all potentially harm doers. And, you know, it's, it's not the other person. It's how we're showing up as community. It's how we're engaging with each other and with our youth. And um, we've all likely caused some level of harm. That's okay. We That doesn't make us terrible people. And we could be working on more ways that we can show up without causing harm on how, how are we teaching our youth? How are we working with parents or, or people who are going to become parents to raise children in ways that are affirming and supportive? And um, we want people to learn how to be in healthy relationships um, no matter what's happening in our lives. And I don't just mean to receive healthy relationship, but to give healthy relationship. And uh, that broad view of prevention is one that's really easy to, even when, when that's your deep-seated belief, it's really easy in this work to lose sight of that and to be thinking about safety and protection and not what it is to generate community change and what our, what our individual responsibility is um, in doing that every single day. Mm, I love that. I love that because it really is. I, I love how you turn that around to say, like, you know, how are how are we showing up, and that we all have caused harm, and that's something I speak about in one of my trainings that I do. Is just like we all have the ability to shift, right, and to grow and to prevent from within as well. So thank you for naming that. I think it's beautiful. Um. So we are going to wind down for today. This was so brilliant and I'm so glad I got to have you on here. Um, I would like to hear just as we wind down how you envision this landscape to continue to grow and change. Like what would you like to see if you could dream big for Mosaic in the next 40 years? I want to see people in our community 
know that they matter and know that they belong. That seems really simple, right? But it's it's not. Um, I, I would like to see us grow in the community care and the kind of community care that happened after the flood. You know, we had we had so many people show up to help hold us through that and to support us through that, including men. Men engaged. Men found a role following the flood that I think this movement maybe has struggled to engage men in in doing the work. But the reality is they they care, and when there was an opportunity, they showed up and they engaged. Um, I think we're looking at more opportunities for transformative justice, restorative justice, not just what those things are labeled, but what they could be when maybe they're outside of the law enforcement system. Um, more attention to the needs of historically marginalized survivors and less stigma and more conversations. You know, our youth are going to change everything. This generation of youth is, is um, I'm so excited about what's to come and, and, um, I, I feel like I'm always learning about what's next and my predictions may or may not hold, um, but I have a lot of hope for the future and for, for everybody who comes um, and joins now and who follows us really changing the world. Love it. I think you're well on your way. <laughs> and that is really interesting. You know, we do need, it's, it's good that more that the men showed up during that time and started to, you know, maybe that was a comfortable entry to being more involved. And that's a, a beautiful thing. And and to have more people and more community involved is so important to this work. For sure. Yeah. Um, and closing, is there a message that you would like to say to people who have experienced harm that are listening today? Healing is a journey, not a destination. Right. It's not something we can achieve. If I do X number of therapy sessions, will I be healed? Um, trauma shows up in really creative ways and it can come in waves. And so um, maybe you came to a place in your journey that felt good and then you had a setback. Um, that's OK. You can lean in or you can lean out. Um, I think in we're often told how we should be behaving or, you know, when we should stop grieving um, or whether or not something should be important to us. And, and those things just aren't true. You're not alone. Even if you're going through it in your own way, um, other people are too. Your experiences are unique, um, but they're also expected. And so if it feels right, reach out. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. Um, so yeah. there's no handbook. There's no recipe. There's no handbook. <laughs> it is your journey. Thank you for that. Um, and thank you so much for being here today, Anne. It's been really, truly a pleasure and an honor sharing time with you. For listeners who would like additional information about Mosaic, you can go to mosaic-vt.org. And once again, thank you, Anne. This does it for us this week. Um, if you have any questions about the show or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me at Anna at standupresources.com. Um, it's been a pleasure spending time with you all here on The Mend. Be well, be strong, and goodbye. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or feedback. We love hearing new topic ideas from listeners and watchers as well. Thank you for listening to The Mend and be well.